Well, again, thank you so much to so many people who have been helping and assisting with worship uh, for uh, for Melody with our children's time and our children's responses for um, our uh, our praise team who's done our music for our faith ringers as our special as our special music Gary Brubaker who has put together our music um, and our liturgist this morning um, Don V Meyer who did such a beautiful and creative job with reading the scripture this morning. Um, and of course, for those who've been assisting in our outdoor worship, for our ushers and our greeters, for our sound techs, uh, people who've been helping set up and tear down, thank you. Um, I'm so grateful for, uh, for the ways that we have been in ministry together. Um, and also uh, to, our, um, to our sanctuary fairies this morning who have changed our banners and um, I'm blocking the altar, who've decorated our altar. Um, I'm not sure who that was, but thank you uh, for, for sharing your gifts as well. Thank you. <clears throat> um, we are in the second week of our series called Tell Me a Story as we're looking at some of the parables of Jesus. Now, Jesus used parables to, um, or stories to, to help teach or preach. Uh, and these parables are very in length. So it depends on which gospel you read them. And some of the stories are longer and some are shorter. Um, and some are found in all of the gospels. Um, and some are only found in one or two of them. But regardless of all of these details, um, the stories are there. And so we look, we're looking at what these stories have to continue to teach to us. Last week, we looked at the story of the persistent widow. This week, the story of lost sheep. Next week, we'll look at wicked tenants, and then we'll close with invited guests. So this morning, lost sheep. Would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, a little bit about stories. Um, so uh, stories are really important. And that's a, a lot of the ways that we have stories are ways that we remember things. Um, they're important to help us remember and to learn. So if you think about um, some of the things that have been the most important lessons that you've learned, it's probably been because of a story you've been told. And it doesn't have to be a story of fiction. It can be a story about your family or a story of how you came to be where you are. Um, uh, stories are important. Joe Lazakis, who is a marketing consultant and an author, um, he says this about story, storytelling. He says, storytelling is seen as this wishy-washy ephemeral thing, but that's actually not true. As human beings, we are programmed for stories. They're part of who we are. It's how we evolved to understand our place in the world before we had written language, how we passed on lessons to where to find food or what threats were coming for us or how to build relationships within our tribes and families. As human beings, we are programmed to respond to stories. Now, if you think about the stories that are some of your favorites or that have helped to teach you, um, stories have been important. And often the stories that we connect with to 
um, are the best, the, the, the stories that we connect best to are the ones that tell us how to be human. And so when we look at the parables that Jesus teaches, often they're teaching us how to be human and sometimes how to be better humans. They often teach us something about God, something about ourselves, and usually something about our relationship together. So Jesus teaching in parables, these stories impact our brains. And so if stories impact our brains, it makes sense that that's how Jesus might teach. We connect better to stories, even if we don't always understand the meaning behind them. We find ourselves in the stories, and sometimes we even get lost in our imaginations. And so the parable this morning that we have is the parable of the lost sheep. And this parable is found in two of the Gospels. It's found both in Matthew and Luke. And so each of these Gospels, well, always, all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, always have different audiences and different intentions. So although they're telling the stories of Jesus, they're also telling them in slightly different ways. Sometimes in ways for the audience that they're having, that they're, that are, that they're written for, um, and sometimes because of a point or perspective that they're trying to make. So these, this story, the story of the lost sheep, is found in both Matthew and Luke. And Matthew and Luke have two very different audiences and therefore very different purposes for the reason for their gospel having been written or um, being told. So um, regardless of their different perspectives, the one thing that's true um, that we read in this is that there's an, there's an evangelism approach to, uh, to this story. There's something about evangelism in here, um, which is important to remember, uh, seeking those who are lost. And that Jesus or God is seen as the shepherd. So that's pretty, that's pretty much the same through both gospels. But here's the slight difference that happens. The gospel of Luke was written for a Gentile audience, which means that it was a non-Jewish audience. And so for Luke, writing down this parable or sharing this parable to share with a Gentile audience it would be emphasizing that the Gentiles are the ones who are sought after because um, they are also God's chosen people or they're included in the family of God, which oftentimes they were excluded. So it's a parable from Luke's perspective about inclusion of those who have not been included, which is a great way to read this parable, right? But Matthew has a slightly different perspective. Now, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew was written mostly for a Jewish audience, and so um, there wouldn't have been necessarily the focus on the Gentiles being the lost. Instead, it's someone from within the community who's lost. And this parable comes shortly after um, Jesus has been teaching about children and about letting the little ones come to me. And so, uh, so the point of this parable in Matthew's perspective more so is emphasizing the importance of those who may seem unimportant to God or those within the community who have left or um, sometimes it's called backsliding or um, sinned or for whatever reason have, uh, have taken leave from the community. 
So again, just some different perspectives. Um, and it doesn't mean that one is right and one is wrong. It means that we all have different ways of looking at these stories. And when we read scripture, we bring our whole selves to it. And so that means we also bring our own experiences and our own interpretation to it. So even as you hear this story from the Gospel of Matthew, you have a picture of it already. And perhaps um, you're picturing the sheep or you're picturing the shepherd or you're picturing where you are in the story or someone else is. I mean, that's the beauty of the stories, right? Is that we get to, uh, to share in them together. So this story about the lost sheep is one that's told for churches um, often. It, I mean, it's a really, I don't know what you say if they're popular stories, um, but there are some stories that we have through scripture that we tell more often than others. Sometimes it's because we connect to them better, sometimes because um, they have better imagery. But this is one of those stories that is probably told quite a bit through churches. Um, and we've probably heard it so often that it doesn't necessarily surprise us anymore or shock us anymore. Of course, Jesus, of course, God would seek after the lost. We know this, like we believe this, we trust this, we have faith in this. The story just makes sense. There have been songs about this story. There have been paintings about this poem, this story. There have been poems about this story. We get it. It's a good one. We like it. And so because we've heard it so many times and maybe even in so many different creative ways, it doesn't surprise us anymore. But for those who heard the story, this parable for the first time, it's pretty shocking. Um, I mean, it would be pretty absurd to think about a shepherd to leave 99 sheep to go after one. And so, I mean, what if you heard the story this way? You know, Jesus was just talking, uh, Matthew and Jesus were just talking about children before. So what if you heard the story as, you know, a daycare provider was taking care of 100 kids and uh, one wandered off. And so they left the 99 children in the yard alone and went looking around the neighborhood for the one. Total sense, right? You, of course, leave everyone behind to go looking for one. Makes sense, right? Okay, try and shed your, your viewpoint on that. There's some craziness about this story, or there's some absurdity about this story. That the one that is lost gets all of the attention. So much so that the others get none. Now, this story, we love this story. And we love this story, especially when we think of ourselves as the one. The one God pursues and chases after. The one Jesus leaves everything for and comes to find us because we are so important to God that we are a part of Jesus's flock. We are that one that God loves. The one that God finds in the middle of our lostness. We love this story as a story about grace for ourselves. But what if you read this story and you're not the one? What if you're a part of the 99 
you're not lost, but you're in the yard the whole time. And all of a sudden, the shepherd is giving their whole attention to someone who isn't even there anymore. To someone who, why did they leave? Did they leave because they wanted to? Did they leave because they did something wrong? Are they bad? Now, how do you feel? When you are the 99 and not the one. Do you love this story? I think this story is a story about grace. And sometimes we have a hard time accepting grace for ourselves. <clears throat> and sometimes we have a hard time giving grace to other people. Uh, and sometimes that's because we have a hard time giving grace to ourselves um, or accepting grace for ourselves. But, I mean, think about it. Think about the last time you may have honked at someone for cutting you off at traffic. When you did the same thing, were you like, oh my bad, sorry. Or when someone rolled over your foot with the grocery cart, were you furious? And then if you bumped into somebody, you were like, oh, whoopsies. We love grace for ourselves. Sometimes we don't love it for other people because it can be hard. So what is grace? Um, grace is, when we talk about it in the church, grace is God's unmerited love. It's free, it's given to you and to me. And in the United Methodist Church, we thought we talk about it in, in three different ways. We talk about prevenient grace, which is God is always there. It's like that little voice that just says, I'm right here. Whenever you're ready, I'm right here and I'm not going anywhere. And then there's justifying grace. And justifying grace uh, in the United Methodist Church, we talk about as what Jesus did for us, what we couldn't do for ourselves. And so we've been justified. And then there's sanctifying grace, which is God walking the journey with us, sustaining us. Like, here we go. I'm right here. But this, all of those graces exist all at the same time. Like it's all, it's like just a, a wiggle room of grace. I'm right here whenever you're ready. I'm never leaving you. I'm never letting you go. And we're going to go together. And sometimes we'll fall. We'll keep working together. That's grace. And we talk about means of grace, ways that we experience grace, ways that we connect with God and God connects with us. And some of those means of grace may be things like communion or worship or Bible study or prayer. Um, some of those ways are of how we experience and how we connect with God. So again, we love grace, right? Grace, I can't, I can't get enough of it. I mean, I think, it's, I think it's just one of the best things. When somebody asks me why I'm a part of the United Methodist Church, one of the reasons that I say is because of grace. And so we love grace. We love to feel God's love. We love to be welcomed and adored by God and others, but by God. But again, do we love grace for everyone else? And you can say, of course I do, Melissa, of course. 
think of someone who, well, maybe stands politically opposed to you. Do they get grace? Think of that person who did you wrong. Do they get grace? I mean, we can say, think of the worst person imaginable. Do they get grace? Do we love grace for everyone? Grace is wonderful and it's hard. Now there's nothing that you can do to earn grace. You can't get more of it. And there's nothing that you can do to get rid of it. I'm right here whenever you're ready. Grace is free, God's love freely given. And if someone tells you that you need to do something to earn God's grace, well, that's not free. And if someone tells you that you have to keep doing or not doing something in order to earn God's grace, well, that's also not free. In one of their songs, Reliant K, which is a, a Christian uh, group, musical group, um, one of their songs is called Be My Escape. And there's this part of their lyrics. And this life sentence that I'm serving, I admit that I'm every bit deserving. But the beauty of grace is that it makes life not fair. Grace is given to us freely so that we may freely give. A few years ago, um, I was at uh, the courthouse um, and I was sitting I was sitting, and I was there with um, a woman who was uh, getting a restraining order against an abusive partner. And, um, and we talked for a bit as we were waiting. Uh, and then I stepped out uh, to, uh, to make a phone call. And before, uh, before I went back in, I was stopped by someone. And they said to me, hey, hey, did I hear that you're like a priestess or whatever? And I said, oh, um, yeah, I'm a pastor. Yes, I am. And um, they're like, well, cool, cool. You know, uh, I just didn't know with like you being a woman and all. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to call you. And um, like, and I said, pastor is just fine. That's okay. Pastor works. Cool, cool. Um, so like, I don't know how to ask this or whatever, but uh, um, I'm in a thing. And uh, I'm wondering if like, can you like cast a spell or like say a prayer or, or like a blessing or whatever it is that you do? I said, well, of course I can pray for you or give a blessing. What can I pray for? Well, so I don't really believe in that stuff. No offense, you know, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Um, I just sort of think like with this thing, maybe I should try and get God or whatever on my side, you know, I'm just... I'm just sort of scared and all. And I said, well, God is for you and God is with you. And God loves you in the middle of your situation because you are a child of God. And I know that sounds kind of out there, especially if you don't believe in God, but I know it's true for you. And I believe it for you. 
yeah, I mean, that is some garbage, but uh, I don't think anyone has ever told me that God loves me before. Most of the time, people are always telling me how God is damning me or whatever. I'm so sorry that's been your experience. And I know that a few words won't take that all away. And I'm sorry for whatever thing you're going through, but God is with you in the middle of all of this, whether you believe in God or not. Wow. Who knew a spell like that would make me feel calmer and just better about life, you know? Yeah. I kind of do. The beauty of grace is that it makes life not fair. Grace, grace, God's grace. Do you deserve God's grace? Oftentimes we don't believe that's true, either for ourselves or for others. Perhaps someone has done something to hurt you or others, or you feel guilty or ashamed. How can God possibly love me or them in the middle of that? God's love is something that at times we don't deserve based on how we've acted. God's love is something that's given to us because of who God is. And we're created in the image of God. And that love can be offensive at times. We can't understand unconditional love. As humans, our love is conditional. To understand infinite and unconditional love is virtually impossible for us. And yet, God still offers it. Now, within grace is an invitation to join in the dance that has already been going on. Come, come back. I've been looking for you. And we can reject that invitation. And it has no bearing on God's love. And yet, joining that dance will help us understand God and God's grace more and more. What is grace? Grace is a paper towel collection for the local schools. Grace is a congregation that loves and supports one another in challenging times. Grace is caring callers. Grace is a hot meal someone makes you when you're starving. Grace is the leaves turning colors and bursting forth in the fall. Grace is harvest season. Grace is someone who picks you up from church to, pick, to go to your house for church because they don't want you to be alone. Grace is someone recording themselves as a liturgist or singing a song. Grace is the hand that reaches out for yours when you've had enough. Grace is the person who stands up to a bully and says that's enough. Grace is the cup of coffee that wakes you up in the morning. Grace is the person who comes over with a chainsaw when a storm brings down some tree limbs. Grace is someone who washes dishes every week. 
Grace is someone who plays piano and sings with their whole heart and prays. Grace is the child making faces at you in the middle of worship. Grace is a warm blanket on a cold day. Grace is the one who sees you when no one else does. Grace is the one who works silently behind the scenes without accolades or even recognition. Grace is the voice that whispers, I am right here and I will always be right here. Grace is the shepherd that leaves the 99 to find the lost one. Grace. Receive this gift, this gift of life, of grace that you have been given. Don't receive it looking down with your head held high. Receive it with a loud voice. Receive it as a claimed and named child of God. Grace matters because you matter. You matter to God. You matter to this world. And you are worthy of being loved by God. Whether you are the 99 or the one. And that love moves us to love the world. Grace. Grace and peace.